Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the afternoon service of Saturday the 26th of February 2011, entitled Determination to Do Right, and the Bible reading is taken from Job chapter 27 verses 1 to 6. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. The Bible does prove that Jesus is God, and uh, he may have not said it verbatim. He might have never said, I am God, but let me say this, there were some other people that said it for him. Isaiah chapter 9 says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. I didn't say this, Isaiah did. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I believe John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, and he made up, he, he was a voice crying in the wilderness, Michael, prepare ye the way of the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. We all know that to mean what? Jehovah. Now, if Jesus was the forerunner and he said, prepare ye the way of the Lord, Jehovah, let me say this, the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. So, you know, I, I just thought I, I needed to say that. Um, I think that the guys and anybody that gave testimony, especially y'all that that braved uh, the elements today and sang for the glory of God, did a wonderful job. It was awesome, wasn't it? We had a great time, and I always like it. Um, I told my friend over here, I said, he'll never forget preaching when the protest came by. That'll, that's an earmark to remember uh, that you were preaching when a, when a protest came by. Uh, but that was, uh, that was kind of interesting. So um, I want to be a blessing to you this afternoon. I want you to look at Job chapter number 27, verse number 1. How many of you in this room have problems? You need to put, no, no, you need to go ahead and put your hand out. We're going to talk about a guy that had problems today. You think you have problems. <laughs> How many of you didn't get a lot of sleep last night? So raise your hand. How many of you tired? I'm tired. Amen. Can I say this? We're going to read a few verses uh, from a man named Job who probably didn't get a lot of sleep. Think about it. Every position he tried to get in when he was sleeping or tried to rest, uh, the boils on his body hurt so bad he couldn't. He Stand up, he hurt. Lay down, he hurt. But yeah, we're going to look at a few things. And young people, let me say this. One of the missing ingredients in the Christian life today, and you as believers, one of the key ingredients that is missing in Christendom is self-discipline. Oh, listen, there are other religions in the world that teach self-discipline and they do a noble job at it. But can I say this? If there's one thing that we lack sometimes as God's people, that's self-discipline. We need self-discipline. If you're going to have a measure of success in what the Bible calls success and not the human standard, if you're going to have a measure of success in the Christian life, there's going to have to be some self-discipline in your life. Now I want you to look at what Job, what, what it says in Job chapter 27. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, As God liveth, who hath taken away my judgment, and the Almighty, who hath vexed my soul, all the while my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. I want you to look at verse 4. He said, My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you, Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. 
My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart, there's that word again, my heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. I want to give you a few thoughts that God gave me uh, on the plane coming over here uh, about a week and a half ago. You as young people have been put uh, and placed, and by the way, you weren't born in the wrong generation. God providentially put you here, and you were born in God's providence in the time and day and age in which you live. That's no, no mistake. God did that. So you are here for a reason. And can I say this? If you're going to do anything that's going to it's going to earn you the compliment when you get to heaven and Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you're going to have to, listen, make some decisions in your life. And one of them is to do right. May I say this? There used to be a, a bracelet that got real famous back in the early 90s, and it was WWJD. What would Jesus do? And everybody wanted to know, you know, what would Jesus do if he was in, in this position? I, I thought we ought to make Michael another bracelet that went with it that just said, do right. You all know what Jesus would do? He'd do right. And you know what? What are you going to do? Are you going to determine in your life to do right? Let me say this. Paul, when he stood before a court, listen, when he stood before a, a council in Ephesus, made this statement in Acts chapter number 20, in verse 24, he said, listen to me. I'm not going to have a little pity party. You say I might lose my life for the cause of Christ. He said, none of these things move me. Neither do I count out my life dear unto myself that I may finish my course with joy. You know, that's a man that's got some determination in his bones. I want to ask you something. Are you going to, young people, when you leave here, listen, I know you come to a weekend like this. This is a great big sterile bubble that we live in. And we come in here and, and, and we've uh, listened to the preaching of God's Word. And boy, it's edifying to be around God's people. Well, what you going to do when you go out there back in the den of lions? See, I'm thankful that I'm standing before a group of people. It isn't like Daniel in the lion's den. It's like a lion in a den of Daniel's. I believe all of y'all have the potential that Daniel had. And you know what Daniel did? Daniel stood up while everybody else was bowing down. Are you going to have that determination in your body? Listen, you've got to be determined in yourself if you're going to do right that there's some choices that you make, listen, early on in your life, right now. I don't know how long most of you have been saved. I know some of you have been saved quite a, quite a number of years. But there's got to be some decisions that you make and determine right now that when you get in the darkest hour of maybe your ministry, of maybe your life, that you don't have to make those decisions because, Salim, you've already made them earlier on in your, in your Christian life. And you made a determination you're going to do right. May I say this? How many of you, if you went home from this conference and on Monday got a notice that you lost everything in your bank account, you had no job, you'd say, well, thank God I still got my family. Guess what? Job didn't have that option. Job got news exactly after the fact that he had lost everything. Another messenger came and said, by the way, you not only lost all your finances, you've lost all your family. They all lost their life in a house. And you'd say, well, thank God I still got my health. And then God 
smote him with sores all over his body. Listen, young people, what you going to do when you're in the darkest hour of your life? You better make sure you determine to do right. You say, how do you do that? Well, number one, I want you to look at verse number four. Job said, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. If I can say it this way, if you're going to determine to do right, the one area, the first area that you've got to determine to do right in is in your conversation. He said, my lips, I will not utter anything wicked, Lord. I will not charge you foolishly. I will not say, God, it's your fault that I'm going through this. You know what? God permitted, may I say this, God permits or prevents everything to happen to you. You say, well, I thought God loved me. He wouldn't allow me to go through this. You know what? Sometimes God will allow you to go through the deepest, darkest valley of your life so you'll realize that He's all you need. Amen? Y'all ain't awake today, are you? Some of y'all, about to, I'm about to lose you. Listen, if you're going to make a determination to do right, number one, you need to make sure you do that in your conversation. Let me give you a few verses. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of what? Edifying, building up, encouraging one another, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. By the way, young ladies, by the way, young men, when you get on the cell phone and call somebody up after you had service at your church and start gossiping about somebody else, can I say this? That's not right. You're welcome. I know we don't like to hear that. But you know what? You've got to determine in your, listen, in your heart that you're going to do right when it comes to your conversation. You know what we need? We need more than ever before in the church of Jesus Christ. We need some Barnabases. Some Barnabases that will stand up and say, you know what? I want to just, whenever I'm around somebody, I want to leave their presence and they say, man, I feel better already. You know, why, you know why Barnabas was able to do that? Because of his conversation. I don't normally quote him, but Socrates made this statement. He said, speak, sir, that I may see you. Everything that we do with our lips, may I say this and announce to you tonight, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, there was a young man that was 12 years of age and Brother Les, he got up to preach his initial sermon in a church here in England. He was 12 years of age. He got behind here. He stammered. He stuttered. He, he, he kind of tripped over his words. And Michael, he probably had enough information to preach for two hours, but he was done in 12 minutes. <laughs> he sat down. He put his head in his hands and he said, I'm an utter failure. But a man by the name of Robert Moffat came by and he encouraged that young man and said, You have the potential, sir, of being one of the greatest servants that ever served God. And do you know what? Because of an encouraging word by a man who was a missionary himself to the interior of Africa, a little boy, a 12-year-old boy now by the name of David Livingston became one of the greatest missionaries who 
made that statement that he saw the smoke from a thousand villages and had never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And in Malawi, Africa, he started scores and scores of ministries. And let me tell you something. David Livingston was a patriot, not only of his country, but of his Lord. And you know what? It was because of an encouraging word from another brother. May I say this? If you're going to determine to do right, young people, be an encouragement with your lips to your friends. It don't take a whole lot to encourage somebody just to come up to them and say, you know what, I love you. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. Hey, I'm praying for you. You know, it's encouragement. Somebody has said once that the mouth is the stage the heart performs on. Be very careful how you talk. Young people, if you're going to determine to do right, number one, you've got to determine in that first area called your conversation, but I must continue. Look at verse number five. God forbid that I should justify you, Lord, till I die, I will not remove mine. What's the next word in your Bible? Integrity. You know what integrity is? Integrity is having a backbone. Integrity is having, and like we say in the south of the United States of America, it's like having some grit in your crawl. You say, what's that mean? Having some intestinal fortitude. It means, you know what? You're going to stick by the stuff. Having some integrity. Young people, can I ask you a question? Have y'all ever read about the life of Joseph? Joseph was a young man who was, listen, put in a pit to die, brought up out of that pit, taken to Egypt, sold into slavery. Potiphar put him in his house. And you know what? That man, the Lord was with him, and he began. He was second in command. He, listen, did everything for Potiphar. And one day, Potiphar's wife came to him and said, Hey, big boy. He said, you know what she said? She said, my husband's gone. Why don't you come in and lie with me? You know what I think the greatest words in all the Bible are? Genesis 39, it says, but he refused. He had integrity. And let me say this, young people. I guarantee you, Michael, he got up when that happened, and he said, oh, I better get on my cell phone and call my pastor. I'm going to make some of y'all laugh in a minute if it kills me. I know it's 5 o'clock on Saturday, but listen, that's all right. Wake up. We're going to just be another 5 minutes or 10... Well, maybe 15, and then I'll be done, all right? I'm trying to paraphrase and get y'all to understand what was going on. Joseph probably got his cell phone out and said, you know what, I'm going to find out if the church is unlocked, and I'm going to go over and pray that God will protect me from that temptation. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call my Christian parents, and I'm going to ask them to pray for me. Let me ask you something. I'm going to go get my Bible, and I'm going to read it. Can I ask you of any of those things that I just mentioned, what did Joseph have? None of it. He didn't have a pastor. He didn't have a church. All there were were pagan temples in Egypt. He didn't have a written word of God. Then how did he refuse a temptation from a woman who said, lie with me, and nobody else was in the house? You want to know why? Because he had integrity. Young people realize, number one, who you are in Jesus Christ. If we really understood who we were, we wouldn't fall into those temptations. Listen, understand your respectability. Who are you in Jesus Christ? Well, number one, you're a joint heir. You're co-laborers together with God. You're salt. What does salt do? Salt makes people thirsty. How many people are you making thirsty for Jesus Christ? 
Hey, listen, you've been called a son. I didn't say a grandson. My friend down here today, and wh where was he at? One of my friends over there, my, my Italian friend, said, you know, it's amazing that the Scripture never tells us that God has grandchildren. He just has children. We're a son. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We're sons. Hey, we're soldiers. We're servants. We're stewards. We are slaves for Jesus Christ. You say, I, I'm a slave. Yeah, you're a bond slave. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a bond slave. You're a lower rower, if you will. We've got to realize if we're going to have integrity and do right and determine to be that way, number one, it has to be in our conversation, but number two, it has to be in our conduct. See, integrity has a lot to do with your conduct, how you conduct yourself. So number one, if we're going to be people, Brother Les, that determines to do right, number one, it has to be done in our conversation. Number two, and by the way, have you ever heard anybody, young people, you might have done this yourself. You ever gone up to somebody and brother, you said, oh, and you said something and you go, oh, I didn't mean to say that. You ever done that? I've done that. I didn't mean to say that. Can I ask y'all, has anybody in here spoken Italian, French, German, Spanish, or English by mistake? It just came out. No, you got to know about what you're saying before you can speak it. Hello? I don't think anybody can really say, oh, I didn't mean to say that because as we learned this morning, what comes forth from the mouth proceeds forth from what? The heart. So young people, listen, you've got to protect your conversation. You've got to protect your conduct. You know, some of these guys, we were talking today and they said, you know, seems like uh, some of these politicians are one way somewhere and another way another place. And it's just kind of like they change to their environment. You know what that's called? That's called being a chameleon. You know what a chameleon is? It's a little lizard in technicolor that you can take and put on something blue, and if it's green, it'll turn blue. If you take it and put it on something khaki, it'll turn khaki in color. Because the Lord knew when He created that little critter, that he was not going to be able to defend himself and he had to do something to camouflage himself. And you know what? That's pretty neat if you're a chameleon, but it stinks to high heaven if you're a Christian. God is not looking for chameleon Christians. Be who you are wherever you are. And realize, number one, your respectability. Realize who you are in Jesus Christ. But understand this, with respectability... Listen, every trusted man, Panos, is a tempted man. Every trusted man is a tempted man. And young people, the more in trust that you are given, the more trust uh, that you're given with a youth group, the more tempted you're going to be. It's just that way. We have a real enemy, and it ain't your mother-in-law. <laughs> it ain't your next-door neighbor. It's not the guy that sits in class with you beside of you at uni. No, your enemy is the devil. And he's out for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the last time I checked the Bible, he's a hitchhiker. It says, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He stands on the side of the road and he thumbs a ride to church every morning with most people that go. You want to know why I know that? Because he comes to church every day that I preach on Sunday. He's in the car with somebody and gets to the church somehow and causes division. 
By the way, don't you be the door that the devil uses to get into the church. Listen, understand your respectability, who you are in Jesus Christ, your character, your conduct. Understand your responsibility. But realize this, folks. Listen to me, young people. Be aware of God's reality. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Do you know when Joseph, who had tremendous conduct, he had some integrity. He had some integrity in his bones about it, and that was his conduct. Can I say this? When she said, lie with me, he literally, Romani, literally, when she grabbed him the second time she asked him, he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against your husband? He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That's who's watching. And he literally, when she grabbed him to take hold of him, it said, Evie, that he came out of his coat and left his coat in her hand and he fled and ran away. You know the problem with most of us? We get in an area of temptation and our integrity says, well, wait a minute. Is anybody I know around here? No. I'll be all right. Let me tell you something. I believe the greatest thing about Joseph and his integrity was this, young people, that when he had that woman come to him and say, look, my husband's gone away. There's nobody else here. It's just me and you. We'll lock the door. Nobody will know. He said, excuse me. He said, there are just not two people here. There's three. Me, you, and God. He understood the reality that God is everywhere he went. Young people, we ought to realize that more than ever before because he didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit didn't work that way. But we know in the New Testament, the church dispensation, that the Holy Spirit indwells believers and everywhere we go, he goes. Whatever we see, he sees. Whatever we do, he does. Wherever we go, he goes. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? If you're going to have integrity, young people, then realize it's going to affect your conduct. It ought to affect your conduct. Job determined to do right, number one, because he determined to do it in his conversation. Number two, in his conduct. But look at the next part. Look at verse number six. Verse number six, and I'm about done. I've only got five more points. No, I'm just playing. Look at verse number six. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. You know what he said? I Listen, it's almost like a Rottweiler gets a hold of a piece of raw meat and I dare you to try to get it from him. I dare you. It ain't going to happen. That dog's not going to let go of that. Any of y'all got a, a pet, a pet a dogs for a pet? I, I had Labrador Retrievers. If it ever gets a tennis ball in its mouth... If you haven't taught it to drop it, you will never get that. He will consume that tennis ball before he drops it. That's tenacity. That's what Job said. I, my righteousness, I hold fast and I will not let it go. I'm going to be tenacious for truth. Young people, if you're going to determine to do right, number one, do it in your conversation. Number two, do it in your conduct. But number three, he said, my righteousness will I hold fast. May I say this? He not only did it in his conversation, in his conduct, but Ramana, he did it in his character. His character. 
Most of y'all have heard the old definition of what character is. Character is what you are when nobody else is around. Character is who you are and what you are when nobody else is around. And it all starts right here. Guys, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Your character just didn't happen overnight. It's been born out of actions and thoughts and habits. And you know what? You form your character. And God forms your character over a period of time. So listen, people that fall into apostasy and you say, those people used to be as faithful as they were to church, and now they are as far as they can be from God. That didn't happen overnight, Salim. You know what that did? That was a process. It didn't just happen overnight. It's the same thing with spiritual character. It's a process, young people. What do you do when nobody else is watching? At the job? At uni? I told these, uh, I told these dear young people about four nights ago that there were two girls that came to me this past summer at Christian camp. And they looked at me and they said, Preacher, we've done something and we want to confess it. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not your padre. I'm not your father. You can take, take that straight to God if you're a Christian. You don't have to come and, and spill it all to me and then me pray for you. And, you know, you go straight to the throne of grace. But they said, we want to ask you what we need to do. They had cheated on four tests in this semester. And they said, nobody knows but me and the other girl. And I said, well, young ladies, if you want to be right with God, I would suggest that you go back and tell your professor that you did that. And one of them said, well, we'll run the risk of being expelled. I said, how bad do you want to be right with God? Oh, you know, I'm going to take a few nuts and bolts off the job. Hey, listen, brother so-and-so there, I saw him take a couple uh, rubber hoses and a saw home. And, and just, I'm just going to take a couple nuts and bolts. Well, does that make it right? What do you do when nobody else is looking? Now let me speak real candid to you. What do you do at 1 o'clock in the morning? Oh, I, I know what she's doing at 1 o'clock this morning. You are awake. <laughs> Most of you are awake because you sleep right now. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are here in body but not in spirit. Amen. But, but what do you do in those nights when it's 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning and you're on Facebook and then you say, well, I think I'll go visit this other site. Do you know how many preachers, sir, I have talked to in the last five years that have sat across the desk of me and cried like a baby because their ministry's ruined because of internet pornography? Do you know how many marriages that I know that have been absolutely ruined because of their character and what they did when nobody else was watching. I had a guy sit at a men's conference and look at me and he said, Preacher, you tell young people when you get them before you, you tell them his story. He told me the most sordid story about him getting in this relationship with a woman he met on a chat room. He's married, got three kids. He makes six digits a year. I'm talking in the hundred to two hundred thousand dollar range. He has a one, he had a wonderful job, but the 
the job that he worked at, the CEO of the company was a Christian and said there is a zero tolerance policy for anybody that gets on the internet here at this place of employment and looks at internet pornography, we will terminate you immediately if we find out you've done that. He knew that. But guess what? He was in the business of ordering stuff online, and guess what? One night he was at the office, a little late, started getting online and checking out things, and before you know it, he's had this thing where he's doing it two, three times a week, 45, 50 minutes a pop. About two months went by, and Ramani, the CEO, asked for a meeting of all those that were in positions of leadership. He brought all these men in and had 10 packets of information around a, a big mahogany table. There were 10 individuals that came in, sat down. The CEO came. He did not sit in his chair. He said these words, Every one of you, we have checked your computers and found out that you've been on the Internet looking at Internet pornography. And he said these packets of information around this table at each one of y'all's desk, each one of y'all's seats, is information of your termination. You have a severance package. We appreciate your time spent here, but we no longer need you. Goodbye. Here's a man who's got three children and a wife at home, makes $200,000 a year, and now he's lost it because of looking at stuff he ought to not looked at. But you know what really hit him? Guys, he looked, he looked at himself and he said, all these guys around this desk know I'm a Christian. And they're not. And he had to stand before those men and humble himself and say, I did wrong and this is my problem. But then on the way home, it really hit him. What am I going to tell my wife and my three children when I get home? I lost my job because I looked at it. Internet pornography. Can I ask you something, guys? You know what he told me to tell you? And this happened 10 years ago. He looked at me and he said, you tell every young person when you stand before them these four words. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah, I know we all have moments of weakness. But you know what? If Joseph can withstand the temptation and he can run from it, let me tell you what. We've got more at our fingertips to help us, to help us over these temptations, to get us through these valleys than he ever had. But he didn't. He refused because he had character and he had good conduct. But let me finish with this. Look at the last part of verse number 6. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. Young people, if you're going to determine to do right, number one, you've got to determine to do it in your conversation. Number two, in your conduct. Number three, in your character. But number four, and I'll end with this, you have to... Determine to do right in your conscience. Your conscience. Somebody said one time, what is the conscience? It's that alarm system that says, don't go there. Don't do that. Boop, boop, boop. Woo, 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 woo. Don't do that. There was a little fella in class one day, and the teacher said, son, can you give me a definition of conscience? And he said, I sure can, teacher. He says... The conscience is what feel bad on the inside of me when everything on the outside feel good. That's what it is. 
Paul told the church, he said, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. I think, guys, Tim, I think that's the reason why Paul said, I am clean from the blood of all men because he had a clear conscience. Paul could pillow his head at night and sleep with the peace of God because he knew that his conscience was not seared toward God or toward man. I may be speaking to somebody right now, and the reason why maybe you're having some discouraging times, and I don't know, I'm just saying this, I'm just speaking what the Lord told me to say and what the Holy Spirit's impressed upon me to say. There may be somebody here right now, and do you know what? You have been at odds with a brother, a sister, a parent, a brother or sister in Christ, a church member, somebody at uni. I don't know who it is. You know who it is. But you've been at odds with them for years, and you had not made that thing right. Can I say this? There's no way, listen to me, a clear conscience makes a very soft pillow. And if you've got something between you and another brother... Can I say this? Psalm 66 verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. Don't you harbor that thing in your conscience and say, You know what? I'm okay with it. And you ain't never tried to make it right with that person. You're not okay if you hadn't tried to make it right. Are you going to determine to do right in this day and age, which we live in desperate, dark days, don't we? Amen? If you're going to determine to do right, you just got to start your conversation. It bleeds over to your conduct. It goes from there and dovetails into your character. And from there, the ultimate thing is this. Are you going to determine to do right in your conscience? When that alarm system goes off, you're going to say, I'm going to abstain from that. I'm not going to go there, Lord, because of who travels with you. You know the greatest word in the Bible? You can close your Bibles. I'm done. You know the greatest fact in all the Bible? The greatest word in all the Bible is God. The greatest fact in the Bible is God is. But the greatest reality in the Bible is God is here. He's not up there somewhere. He's here. We need a generation of young people that will determine to do right. Character, conduct, conversation, and conscience. Let's bow for prayer. We're going to split up into groups here in just a minute, but I want to ask a question before we go to the Lord in prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're in this room tonight, and you would say, Preacher, you know what? God has pierced my heart about some issues in my life. I want to determine to do right, but you know what? There's some things that I, I just know that are unsettled. I don't know if it's your character, your conduct, your conversation, or your conscience, young people, but you know what it is. If, if you just say, preach with an upraised hand, I want you to pray for me, and I just want you to, I just want you to mention me in prayer. I, I won't point anybody out, but if you'll just raise your hand and say, preacher, pray for me. I, I will, I promise. Once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. God bless. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, in Jesus' name. Right now, as Shelly plays, God, I pray that you'd help, Lord, the ones that's raised their hand to understand that, Father, you will put them sometimes in the midst of a trial or a test or a fiery situation, Lord, to bring out the dross and to take the dross off the top and to let that weightier matter that really has substance to come shining through. 
God, I pray that, Lord, that you would do it and that you would instill in them some good conduct and good character and good conversation. And Lord, help them to have a clear conscience toward God and toward man. Lord, we'll love you and praise you for what you do tonight. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Now, with nobody looking around, you know what? There may be some of you, before we even get into group discussions, you need to take somebody aside, maybe a, an accountability partner from your own youth group, or maybe one of the people you came with and say, would you mind praying with me? I just need somebody to agree with me and to take and just have some confidence that we can pray and agree together that God's going to do a great work in my life. I don't know what it is, but you do. Whatever God speaks to you about, you know what? I believe we ought to obey it. So I pray that you do that tonight. Father, bless in this next time of discussion, and we'll love and praise you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. <laughs>